The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, good morning once again. And let's all take our Bibles out. Uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll begin there this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Paul writes here, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us uh, the word of God. I pray that you would enlighten us and strengthen us and encourage us to be uh, more Christ-like in our daily walk and help us that we might glorify thee in all things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, a couple of things jump out at me as I read this passage of scripture. First of all, um, Paul admonishes Timothy in, chat, in verse 2 to follow good examples. And I think that's a very good lesson for us as Christians is to, is to follow good examples, to make sure that the people that we are emulating in our life are, are the right kind of people. How many of you realize our young people today are not emulating? Uh, by and large, our young people don't emulate godly men. Did, did you ever realize that? I mean, they're, they're emulating these pro athletes who are as immoral as they can possibly be. They're emulating movie stars who, who have no sense of, of, of uh, spirituality about them. They're emulating the wrong kind of people. And so it's very important that, that we as parents and we as church leaders and spiritual leaders, that we encourage people to, to emulate the right kind of people. And then the other thing that jumps out at me is, is in verse number four, where Paul states, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You know, one thing about soldiers, uh, when they're in battle, they're not, you don't see soldiers, now listen to me, you don't see soldiers in the foxhole dialing Bank of America on their cell phone to check their balance. Okay? You don't see soldiers in a foxhole uh, logging on to a website to see if they can get this new, the latest free item. They don't concern themselves with the matters of everyday life. They concern themselves with the war. They concern themselves with the battle. And as God's children, I think it's important that we learn to, to, to focus our life on the battle that we face against the spiritual wickedness in this world, that we be alert and aware of the dangers. Uh, so many Christians blindly walk into the disaster. Because they're too involved in, in worldly things. I, I didn't say sinful things. They're just too involved in the matters of this life. And, and they forget why they're here. And so many of our Christian people are spiritually slain on the battlefield because they've got their focus in the wrong place. But that's not today's message, so we're not going to talk too much about that. Those things just jumped out at me as I read the scripture. Now this is indeed one of my favorite passages of scripture. I think that I relate to this passage as well as I do because of my military experience. 
Uh, as a soldier in the United States Air Force, I wanted to be the best soldier I could possibly be. I wanted to serve my country with all that I had, including my life if necessary. And I'm certain that all of you who, who served could say the same thing this morning. And I decided to, to teach this particular message this morning. I was pressed into service, so to speak, this morning. And I thought that because this is Veterans Day, it would be a good message to to deliver to us. As, as soldiers of Jesus Christ, we need to be aware of some things. Paul's admonition in verse 3 was, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And, and we need to understand that being a soldier is a hard thing. It's not an easy life. It's not a life of leisure. It's not a life of, of, of necessarily joy. So it's, there's, there's a lot of hardness. And Paul says if you're going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you're going to face some hardness. You're going to face some persecution. You're going to face some trials. You're going to face difficult things in your life, difficult choices, things you have to choose and, and all these things. And he says we need to endure these as a good soldier. And that is what I want to be today. I want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'd like to take some time and examine some of the more important characteristics of a good soldier. So first this morning, I want to say this. A good soldier is obedient. A good soldier is obedient. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, in verse 22, we read, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Obedience is key to success in any aspect of our life. Obedience in the life of a soldier is an absolute necessity. Without it, he cannot possibly succeed. Our drill sergeants in boot camp used to tell us, you can listen to me and live, or you can not listen to me and die. Choice is yours. There's no guarantee you're going to live even if you listen to him. But I will say this, your odds of surviving are much better if you obey. And the same is true in life, isn't it? You got a better, you got a better chance to succeed in the workplace if you're obedient to your bosses, right? Huh? If you disobey your boss and do your own thing and, and just say, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what I think, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to last very long. It's, and it's also true in our spiritual life. If we choose not to obey God, if we choose to say, I know what you wrote in your word, Lord, I know what's there, but, you know, Father, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm just going to do what I want to do regardless of what you said. You're not going to be successful. I tell you that right now. You might succeed for a while. You might seemingly it might not seemingly make any difference in your life, but sooner or later, it catches up with you. I heard, I've heard a saying, it goes, God's judgment train runs slow, but it's always on time. And sooner or later, sooner or later, we're going to be in trouble. The scripture even says, be sure your sin will find you out. So obedience is, is, is key, it's absolutely necessary in the life of a soldier. Uh, now, what are the benefits of obedience? I've listed a few benefits here. Let's, let's look at those. First, firstly, obedience assures harmony. Obedience assures harmony. In Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, we read, Can two walk together except they be agreed? You and I cannot walk in harmony with God unless we are in obedience to him. 
And furthermore, we will not walk in harmony with each other unless we are in harmony with God. This is a very important lesson to learn. You can judge, you can pretty much judge, not you shouldn't judge, but you can pretty much, what word do I want? You can pretty much infer a person's relationship with God by comparing it to his relationship with his fellow Christians. You say, I don't believe that. Okay, well, God believes differently. Look at, let's, let's, let's turn together to 1 John chapter 4. I want you to turn there so you don't think I'm just pulling your leg. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and look at verse 20. We read here, if a man say, I love God, and what's that next word? Hateth his brother. He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Oh, you better be careful. We better be careful about our relationship with our fellow believers. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, how many of you have siblings? How many of you have brothers or sisters? Uh, Have you always gotten along with your brother or sister? How many of you would say, I've never, ever disagreed with my brother or sister? Raise your hand. Because if you raise your hand, you're a liar. (laughs) Now, I had one sister. We got along like gold. But my other sister, we got along like vinegar and, and water. I mean, wow, it was rough. She, she, she lived to get me in trouble. I mean, that was, her, that was her whole childhood life. She walked around watching everything I did, and as soon as I did something I shouldn't do, she ran right to mom and, and, and tell mom. And so I lived for revenge. And I, 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 uh, I imposed my revenge on her several times, and we won't go into that now. But, but uh, let me just say, we've had to, our, our, my, my parents had to endure dental work because of some of my encounters with her and and other things. So, um, but we see here that obedience to God assures harmony with, with God and with each other. I, I've always noted that people that truly love God and obey him get along with other Christians. Not saying you necessarily agree 100% with them, but you, you live in harmony with them. Because that's what, that's what this kind of obedience to God produces. So obedience assures harmony. Second, next... Obedience promotes happiness. Obedience promotes happiness. In John chapter 13, verses 15 through 17, we read, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, nor he that is sent greater than he that has sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. And Jesus tells us in scripture that our obedience to the Father promotes happiness in our life. We, we are happy when we obey. And that's, that's true in every aspect of life. Little children are just so happy when they obey their parents. You ever notice that? Uh, I mean, I, I watch my grandchildren and, and when, they, when they do something that they were told to do, you can just see that they're happy, that they feel, they feel good about their relationship with their parents. And obedience promotes happiness. Let me say this. The most miserable person alive is the Christian living in disobedience to God. They may 
You may, they may try to make you believe they're happy. They may, they, may, they may live their life and it may seem they're happy. But I'm going to tell you right now, the most miserable person is a Christian in dis, who lives in disobedience to God. Because there is no peace in your heart. There is no joy in your heart when you live in disobedience to God. Obedience brings satisfaction. So first, a good soldier is obedient. But then secondly, this morning, I want to say that a good soldier is prepared. A good soldier is prepared. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, this is a verse everybody pretty much knows by memory, I'm sure. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I said a good soldier is prepared. He's prepared for many things. A good soldier is prepared to die. A good soldier is prepared to, to sacrifice. He's prepared to serve. He, he's prepared to obey, as we've already said. A good soldier is prepared. Now, why do soldiers go through boot camp? Any ideas? Nathan, right now, is pastor's son. He's in boot camp. Why is he in boot camp? To build his endurance, to strengthen up and get him up to physical strength. Yes, that's the reason. Others? What? To teach him to survive in, in adverse situations. Yes. To build character. That's right. To, to, to build character traits such as commitment and honesty and integrity. Uh, you need these things when you're on a battlefield. The guy, you, need, you need to be able to trust the guy next to you. You don't, you don't want to have a guy next to you who has such low character. As soon as you turn your back, he's going to shoot you in the back and, and say the enemy shot you. What else? Any other reasons why we go through boot camp? Yes? Follow orders. To be taught to follow orders. That's right. To be taught to, in boot camp we were taught, you don't, you don't think about it. You just do what you're told. You don't, you don't get an order and then sit back and say, well, let's examine this situation and Let's see if this order really should be obeyed or not. No, you don't do all those things. Boot camp is dress rehearsal for the real thing. Uh, assembling and disassembling. An M16. I think I could still do that if I had to, blindfolded. Um, target practice. Taking you out and teaching you how to shoot that weapon that you may need to, to defend yourself. I'll never forget on the rifle range, we had, we had one soldier who was shooting and the soldier next to him who was shooting, and one of the soldiers had nine hits on his target, and the other one had 117. And we only had 80 rounds each. So they were both shooting at the same, at the same target. You know, you're out there to, to learn how to use it. They don't just hand you a gun and a, and a clip full of ammunition and say, okay, go find something to shoot. No, no, no. You have to be taught. You have to, to be trained. Obstacle courses. We went through obstacle courses. And that's designed to, to cause you to pay attention to what's going on around you, to, 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 to observe and, and to, to learn to choose the, the, the best path to pursue. And, and all these things are taught in the obstacle course. Uh, drilling. And port protocol, we were taught to march. I mean, we could march, we could take a 750-man flight and march, and you'd, you'd only hear one footstep the whole time. You'd sit in a, in a bleacher and observe as these, as these, these big 
uh, flights of soldiers marched by and you didn't see heads bobbing all over the place. Everything, everyone moved in one movement. And this taught us to, this taught us to, to, to join, to join ourselves and, and to be, be in harmony and in sync with, with the soldiers around us. These were all important things. Protocol, teaching respect, and all of these things, uh, teaching you to salute. I'll never forget one day I was sitting outside the base exchange and a, a new recruit, we, they call them slick sleeves. They had no stripes on their sleeves at all. And he, he was carrying some boxes, and, and, and another new recruit was a, a lieutenant, fresh out of OTS. And that young man walked by that lieutenant, and because his arms were full, he didn't salute. And that lieutenant stopped him and said, young man, you understand I'm an officer? Yes, sir. And he's holding these boxes. He said, put those boxes down and stand here. And he took his hat off his head, and he put it on a post. He said, salute that thing till I tell you to stop. In the meantime, a captain had walked out of the base exchange, and he was observing this. That young man stood there and he saluted that hat and kept saluting and kept saluting and kept saluting. Went on for like five minutes. I was amazed. I was sitting there watching. Oh, wow. Finally, Lieutenant said, all right, that's enough. Now, don't you ever fail to salute an officer again? Yes, sir. He saluted him and he left. And Captain strolled over and said, hey, Lieutenant. Said, yes, sir, Captain. He said, uh, you're supposed to return every salute. So he took his hat off and put it on the post <laughs> and said, start saluting, Lieutenant. And he made, him, he made him salute until he was satisfied. And I'm going to tell you, that lieutenant saluted twice as long. Now, I didn't leave. I wanted to observe this. I wanted to see it all. <laughs> but you're taught protocol and respect. Let me ask you this. How, how, how's your respect for God's people? How's your respect for your brother, your fellow brother or sister in Christ? Will, will, you, will you use your tongue to, to, to slander them behind their back? Will you, will you speak evil of your, of your brother or sister to anyone, even, even to yourself, in your own mind? You know, if you catch yourself, if you catch yourself murmuring against God's people in your mind, you ought to stop and ask God to forgive you. You know, God um, punished Aaron and Miriam, didn't he, for murmuring against Moses in their tent? He turned them into lepers. So we better be careful. And, and this is why a soldier goes through boot camp to prepare him for all these things. But, and, and he's got a lot of study. So Paul admonished us in 2 Timothy 2.15 to study. He, he, he told us three things about studying in this section. He's, first, he says, study for God's approval. The main reason we study scripture is to gain the approval of God. God has instructed us to meditate upon his word at all times. In, in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 2, we read, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. How, much, how, much, how often do you think about God's word? How often do you think about God? This, this constant meditation in your heart and mind, this constant, excuse me, this constant awareness. We spoke of that in, in some studies I had uh, way back. I don't know if you remember that, but I talked about having a constant awareness of God's presence and his spirit's presence in your life. That's what keeps you that's what keeps you living with integrity. That's what keeps you holding a, a good testimony at work. You know at work when you get when you get involved in the environment of an office and or or a work site and all of the hubbub and everything going on, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that you're God's child and it's easy to get yourself involved in things you shouldn't be involved in, but having that constant awareness of the Father in your life will keep you from, 
Now, I'm not saying it's going to keep you from hearing it or, or being around it because you, you can't get away from that, but it will keep you from being coming active in it, from participating in it, from being a part of it. So we study for God's approval. Uh, secondly, we study for our accreditation. Paul said that we should study so as not to be ashamed. We should have an understanding of the word of God. Um, Paul says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, for when, uh, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again with the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Listen, we're to grow up as believers. We're not to, we're not to stay uh, unknowledgeable of Christ. A good soldier studies. A good soldier knows the battle plan. He knows what's expected of him. He understands. He knows his weaponry. He, he, know, he knows his, his armament. He, he knows his fellow soldiers. He knows what, what to expect on the battlefield. But yet, as God's children, we're involved in a real battle. We're involved in a real warfare, and yet we're so unprepared. We don't, we don't understand. We don't know anything about our weapon. Do you realize this is a, this is the Christian soldier's weapon right here, the word of God. It's what Jesus used when he battled Satan during his temptation. He used the word of God to defeat Satan. And this is our battle. This is our weaponry. And yet so many of God's children are ignorant of, of God's word. And I hate to use the word ignorant because it's a strong word, but it's the truth. It's the truth. We, the average... I'm, I'm afraid to say this, but I think it's true. The average teenager in America knows the TV schedule better than, than, than they know the table of contents of the Bible. They, they know the lyrics to songs, but they, they don't memorize scripture. And, and this is a shame. It's a disgrace to us to be, to be such as that. Or to study for our accreditation, uh, to be in condition, is in this condition, to be in the condition of of not knowing the word of God and needing, not being able to eat the uh, feed upon the meat of God's word. It, it's not to our credit. It is not such as becomes children of God. So we study. We study to seek the approval of God. We study uh, to, for our own accreditation, but then also we study for others' admonition. We study for others' admonition. Paul Completed Second, Second Timothy chapter two and verse fifteen by writing the phrase "rightly dividing the word of truth." Now, this would imply a Christian who has enough understanding of the word of God that he can be a help to those around him, one who can help others see the truth, one who has enough confidence in his understanding of the word of God to instruct others. Peter said that we need to be ready to give an answer. He said, if someone comes up to you and asking you for the reason of your faith, the hope for the reason of the hope that is in you, you need to be prepared. You need to be ready to answer that person. You need to be ready to, 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 to give them the word of God and to instruct them in spiritual things. So we see that a good soldier is obedient. But we also see that a good soldier is prepared. But then thirdly this morning... 
I'd like for us to see that a good soldier is committed. A good soldier is committed. Psalm 37 in verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean when we say, commit thy way unto the Lord? Give me, give me some of your thoughts. What, what, what does that mean to some of you? Commit thy way to the Lord. What does that mean? I'm sorry? Walk the walk. Obedience. Total focus. Seeking the Lord for everything we need. Faithfulness. You're all in all. What else? I'm sorry. Trusting. Think about a soldier for a second. This is what we're talking about, right? We're talking about a soldier. When that soldier signs that contract, and he raises his right hand and he, he pledges his oath to, to the military. What is he doing? He's committing himself. He's making a commitment. So from that moment forward until his discharge, who has control of his life? Does he have control of his life? No, he doesn't. He doesn't have control of his life. It's, if he thinks he does... That, that's, just, that's just deceiving himself. Because they tell him where he has to live, when he has to be at work, when he can go home. Matter of fact, they even tell him how far away from the base he can go. I'm serious. He can only go so many miles away from the base. If he's, if he's caught outside of that, he's subject to court-martial. They control every aspect of his life. And that's what it means to make a commitment. When we talk about committing ourselves to the Lord, we're saying, Father, I'm yours. You, you control everything. So that means anything in his word, anything in his word that he instructs us, we have to, we have to submit to, right? Commit thy way Unto the Lord. Now, Paul talks about the liberty we have. Right? He said, all things are lawful for me. But what does he say next? All things are not expedient. That's right. All things are not good for me, in other words. So we have to be careful here. We have to be careful. Commitment is another absolute necessity of being a good soldier. You, as a good soldier, will be called upon to do that which no one else wants to do. And only a total commitment to your office as a soldier will give you the courage and the strength to accomplish the tasks set before you, no matter what the cost. Have you ever stopped to think about what compels one soldier to throw his life to the wind and sacrifice himself? For the benefit of everyone around him. You ever thought about that? Did, did you ever stop to think that maybe that one soldier actually had aspirations in life and had goals and dreams? That maybe that young father had never seen his child yet and, 
and he desired to go home and see his child. But yet his commitment and his compelling desire to to live for for what he's what he's determined to serve drives him to sacrifice his own future, his own everything he desired to throw it all to the wind for the cause in which he's involved. Yet we have Christians all over this country that won't commit to be in church regularly. They won't commit to serve. They won't commit to tithe. They won't commit to, 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 to live their life for God's honor and glory. I wonder how many quote-unquote Christians are going to go to the new wonderful casino in town. A place where God's people ought to never be found. And I don't apologize for saying that, by the way. Woe be unto you if you claim to be a child of God and you put your foot in that house of iniquity. Oh, but they got wonderful restaurants. Yeah, but we have wonderful restaurants all over town that aren't involved in a casino. And I'd rather starve to death than go eat a meal in that place. Let's just call it what it is. It's a wicked heart. It's a person who spits on the blood of Christ and says, I don't care what, what you did for me, Lord. I'm going to go have my pleasure. I'm going to involve myself in the pleasure of sin. Let's wake up, people. A good soldier is committed. A good soldier is one who won't go to a place like that, won't involve himself in, in activities like that. So we have to be men and women of commitment. Let me just share a few thoughts and we'll be done. First, commit your time to God. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We will exchange the time that God has given us for something. You realize every moment of time that God has given you, you exchange it for something. Uh, what are we going to exchange it for? Sunday school? Our sports center. Uh, worship service? Our Walmart. Bible study? Our the backyard barbecue. Visitation? Our vacation. So many make excuses for not committing their time to God. But the day will come when we will wish we had given more of our time to the Lord. And listen, as I said, I don't, I don't apologize for saying these things. If you don't hear, let me, let me ask you a question. If you don't hear them from behind the pulpit in the house of God, where are you going to hear them? Do you realize what this office entails, what it's about? Now, I'm not your pastor, but this morning I stand in his place. And for this morning, I become the oracle of God in his word, and I am not going to slight that position or that office. We need to learn to put God first in our life. Do you not think for a moment that there haven't been many Sundays when, when, when I would have liked to have gone to the, the birthday parties for my family or, or for the, for the special events or for, to go fishing or to, or when the Steelers are playing on Sunday morning and I gotta be in church? But I can honestly say at this stage of my life, no, I don't, I don't wanna do those things. I wanna be right where I am right now. But there have been times in my early Christian life when, when those things were hard, I have not seen a Super Bowl live since 1981. 
Because I'm in church when the Super Bowl is on. And I'll tell you right now, if someone walked up to me and gave me two tickets to the Super Bowl, gave me the money to, for the plane tickets and paid for my hotel and everything else, I'd burn them. I wouldn't give them to somebody else because I'm not going to give someone else the opportunity to send. I would just, I would just shred them and throw them away because I'm not going to go. We need to get this straight. We need to learn to commit our time to God. There are so many things in Berean Baptist Church that, that either don't, that don't get done because people are not making commitments. We graduate, we graduate young people from high school and what happens? There's no, there's nothing for them. I've been appealing to people for years to, to, to start a college and career ministry around here for our young, young people graduating out of high school so, so they can have a group together where they can, they can fellowship and have activity and do things. Do you understand that young people, 19, 20, and 21 year old, crave, crave company? They crave that relationship. But we, we don't have, people won't commit. Won't commit our time. But then secondly, we need to commit our talent to God. Our talent. What talent has God given you? What gift has God given you that can be used for the work of the ministry? I'd like you to listen to this list of those who profess or profess to be Christians. Elvis Presley was a Sunday school teacher and choir director. Pat Boone, a country western music star. Andy Griffith, a Hollywood actor. Charlton Heston is also a Hollywood actor. Tom Hanks claims to be a believer. Hollywood actor. Mr. T. A pity the fool that don't trust Christ. H.G. Um, Hines, founder of Hines Ketchup Company. James C. Penny, founder of J.C. Penny. Dave Thomas, founder of Wendy's Hamburgers. And by the way, since Dave Thomas died, Wendy's went. <laughs> Used to be my favorite hamburger establishment. Wouldn't go there now. Uh, Sam Walton, founder of Walmart. I actually met Sam Walton. Uh, I met him, shook his hand. J.R.R. Tolkien, author of The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series. Alice Cooper. Who knows who Alice Cooper is? Hard rock singer. Yeah, he's, from, he's from my era. Uh, Alice Cooper claimed to be a believer. M.C. Hammer, a rap artist. And the list goes on. These are people who use the talents, if they're truly saved, use the talents given them by God for their own personal fame and gain. But did they use those talents as they could have for God? I don't know if they did or or not, but I do know that I must commit the talents that God has given me to his service. So commit your talents to God. If you have the ability to do something, God has given you the, the, the ability to do something that can be used in his service, then commit it. Use it. Commit our treasure to God. Thirdly, commit our treasure to God. In Matthew 6.21, we read, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In Exodus 36, the Bible gives account concerning the people's commitment to give to the work of the tabernacle. This is astounding. In Exodus, just listen to this. Exodus 36, 4 through 7. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came, every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. 
John, you wish you had that problem? Imagine if John walked up to pastor in his office and said, Pastor, you got to tell the people to stop giving. Tell them to stop giving us money. We got, we got more money than we could spend in 40 lifetimes. Tell them to stop giving. That'll never happen. Could happen if all of us would commit our treasure. But the sad reality is that of, of the house of God, usually less than, usually about, about one or two percent of the people in the church actually support the, the church financially. The other people just sit in the pew and do nothing. That would be a great problem to have. Unfortunately, the exact opposite is true. Why do we fail to give? Let me give you, let me give you two answers, two thoughts, and we'll be done. Why do we fail to give? First word is greed. Greed. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole generation. Greed. The desire to have more than, than we need. And, and by the way, faith tells us that all we need, we have been given. That God has given us what we need, so we just need to learn to, to give and trust the Lord for those things. What's the second word? Doubt. Malachi 3.10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that ye may have meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. We just doubt. Even though God has promised that we can't outgive him, we doubt. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Let me say this, and I'll be done. If you cannot find contentment with Christ, if you cannot find the ability to, to be satisfied with what you have, to, to accept and be satisfied with the, with the situation in which the Lord has placed you, if you cannot find contentment with Christ, plus nothing, you will never find contentment. So we see this good soldier. This good soldier is obedient. He's prepared. And he's committed. What about us today? Are we good soldiers? Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself, am I a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Or am I the type of soldier that is constantly under, under suspicion or, or, or constantly in trouble? Are you a good soldier? Well, these are the qualifications of a good soldier. And if we want to be a good soldier of Christ, we must apply these things to our lives. I'm not, you know, you realize this morning, and I'm going to shut up, I'm not trying to win a popularity contest here. That's not my job. Pastor didn't tell me, hey, would you get in the pulpit and try to make everyone love you? Would you get in the pulpit and try to be popular? Now, I know he doesn't want me to get in the pulpit and cause him any trouble. <laughs> but... Have I spoken anything but the truth this morning? We may not like it when it touches our ears, but we need to make sure that we change it in our lives when it enters our heart. So let's remember those things. All right, folks, let's go ahead and break, and we'll be in our morning service in 10 minutes. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 
or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.